Thanks for tuning in to the Follow Church weekly message. Our hope and prayer is that you will find this message uplifting and challenging as we seek to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave from the wicked. And with rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and then the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ indeed has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? 
Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome this morning. Who here is here on Good Friday? Well, if Good Friday is good, how great is it Resurrection Sunday? It's great to be gathered together today, isn't it? So let's give the Lord a hand. He's awesome in every way. Today is a day of great celebration and it's truly a happy day. Easter Sunday is the most important date in the Christian calendar and it's the most defining event in human history. And if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, there's a great sense of victory because Jesus is not dead, he is alive. He is risen and that's what we're here to celebrate today and in light of that today I want to talk about victory. Now if you know me very well you'll know that I'm fairly competitive. All right that's a slight understatement I'm very competitive. I like to win whether it's in competitive sport and it's not the first time the saints have defeated the demons on Easter weekend just saying it's biblical but whether it's competitive sport merging lanes on a freeway or crushing the kids at family board games when I cross the white line, some sort of fever just sort of passes and sweeps over me and it's something that I'm working on. But I think if we're all honest, most of us um, you know, would rather victory than defeat in probably every area of our lives. And I think Christianity is a wonderful faith to have because it offers us a life of victory in Jesus. Now let me clarify that statement for a moment because following Jesus doesn't guarantee that life will be easy. I think we know this from experience. I think the Bible points to that more often than not. But in the midst of life, no matter what we're going through, because of the resurrection of Christ, we have a future hope in him that cannot be shaken. And so no matter what happens in our life, whether it's the ups or the downs, the trials or the tragedies or the triumphs, whether it's the fun or the frustration, the ultimate victory is ours and it's guaranteed because Jesus rose from the dead. We know that Jesus has conquered the power of sin and death and as a result we have the hope of eternal life through relationship with Christ and there is nothing and there is nobody that can snatch that hope away from those who are his. As post-resurrection believers, that's what we celebrate today and particularly at Easter, particularly at Easter time, but it wasn't always that way. There was a day, that very first Good Friday, that wasn't that good at all. It was a day prophesied by the prophet Isaiah about 750 years before it actually occurred and we heard about it in our first reading at the start of the service today. It was that day that Jesus, the promised Messiah, that God's people had been waiting generations for, was crucified on a cross. It was that time that he was oppressed and afflicted. It was that dark day, the day he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Yet he did not open his mouth. Instead, he was willingly led like a lamb to the slaughter. It was a time that he took up our pain and bore our suffering. That first Good Friday was not good at all for Jesus' friends and disciples. The light of the world had stepped down into darkness. And when he breathed his last breath, it appeared that darkness had won. In fact, as Jesus hung dying on the cross, the Bible, as well as secular historians, Thales and Phlegon and Africanus, all recall that darkness literally fell over the earth from noon until 3 p.m., at which point Jesus died. There's a brilliant scene in Narnia, the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. 
And it depicts the moment where Aslan dies. For those who haven't seen the movie, Aslan was the great lion who represented Jesus. And the white witch in the movie is the person who represents Satan. And in the scene where Aslan dies, he willingly gives his life on an altar. And as he walks up to lay his life down, he's surrounded by a mob of these dreadful looking creatures. They represent Satan's demons. They're screeching and and making all sorts of hideous faces and hideous noises. But they're joyful as the great lion is walking to his sacrificial death. As he lays down on the altar, he's bound up, ready to be killed. The white witch of Narnia bends down in a moment and, and looks at Aslan laying there and whispers in his ear, Aslan. You are giving me your life and saving no one. So much for love. In the distance, Susan and Lucy, two of Aslan's followers, are watching as the white witch raises the knife and plunges it into Aslan, killing him instantly. In the movie, it goes silent as Susan and Lucy look away, not bearing to be able to look before a victorious roar rises from this mob of demons as the witch declares the great cat is dead. It's a powerful scene. And it's a powerful scene because it brings us into that moment and what it would have been like for the disciples of Jesus, where it seemed that darkness had overcome the light and defeat had kind of snatched victory right out of their hand, right from their grasp. In the aftermath of the crucifixion, the disciples who had followed Jesus were shattered and they were clearly confused. In week one of this Easter series, we looked at John chapter 20 and we saw that these disciples, the same ones who'd followed Jesus so closely for three years, they'd gone everywhere with him. They'd heard his extraordinary teaching. They'd seen his miracles. And even got to the point where Peter, one of the closest disciples, had declared in a moment of clarity, you are the Messiah, the Son of of the living God. These same disciples after the crucifixion in John 20 were no longer confident like they had been, but were now trembling with terror and locked in a room fearing for their lives. Now after everything they'd been through, after being fully convinced that they were on the winning team, being fully convinced that Jesus was the Messiah following him with guaranteed victory over the Roman Empire. They were blindsided by his crucifixion and hope kind of evaporated right in front of their eyes. I wonder if you've ever experienced defeat snatching victory from your hands. When victory was in your grasp, defeat comes and just snatches it away. I know I've mentioned this story before, but I can't let it go. I keep going back to it over and over again. I go back to the 2010 Grand Final. St Kilda versus Collingwood. Good versus evil. (laughs) Everyone on earth barracking for the Saints except for Collingwood supporters. And yes, I see the Sacanthas over to my right. The Saints were incredible underdogs in that game. They were trailing significantly in the first half. But in the second half, they came storming home. And with five minutes to go in the grand final, the scores had drawn absolutely level. Lenny Hayes, named after my son, (laughs) picked up the ball and kicked it long into the 50-metre line where Brendan Goddard, later known as Judas, when he defected to the dark side and went to Essendon, rose above the pack when he was still a Saint. And he took what is the greatest mark ever in grand final history. 
going back from 25 metres out. He came, sorry, he was a right footer. And he kicked the ball right through the middle and put the Saints up a goal with five, less than five minutes to go. Our lounge room, our living room absolutely erupted. There were cheers and um, tears and fears because we are St Kilda supporters, but there were cheers and tears most of all and we thought this is going well. It seemed like darkness was going to be overcome by the light. That the most pathetic football club in the history of any code was finally going to be premiers. The smell of sweet victory was in the air. It was within grasp. We thought it was going to happen. Finally, after years, only to watch with horror as defeat snatched victory right out of our hands in the last five minutes. That was painful, followed with months of counselling. <laughs> but we got through. Maybe you've experienced stuff like that in life. Maybe a lot worse than just a stupid game, because it is a stupid game. But maybe you've experienced something so much more painful than that. Maybe a loved one in remission, only for them to get sick again. Maybe a relationship breakthrough that ends up broken for good. Maybe there's a loved one in your family who follows Jesus only to walk away and reject him. Maybe a prayer that is answered only for things to later once again fall apart. Maybe it's a habit you thought you'd conquered only to find yourself trapped in it all over again. These are the moments where defeat snatches victory from our grasp. This is what it would have been like for those disciples when Jesus was crucified. Death had won the day. Darkness had overcome the light. On that Saturday, there must have been deep despair, confusion, pain. What's going to happen next? But on Resurrection Sunday, it all changed. If Friday was a time of despair, Sunday was a time of joy. Sunday was coming. And on the third day when Jesus rose again, hope flooded back into the disciples' life. Light had overcome the darkness. Victory had triumphed over defeat. And the lives of Jesus' followers would never again be the same. Brendan Goddard rose over a pack, but victory was eluded. Jesus rose from the dead for victory once and for all. That's what we're here to celebrate today. It's this victory that we remember and celebrate on Resurrection Sunday. But for Christians, we celebrate it every day. We are Easter people every day of the year, every day of our lives, because we have great victory in Jesus. Today there are two brief things I want to share this Easter Sunday from today's passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the first one is simply this, that resurrection brings hope. Resurrection brings hope. I think all of us want to live our lives with a sense of hope. We hope for a good job. We hope for a happy life and a healthy family. We hope for friends and enjoyable experiences. I think deep down we all hope to be liked. Hope is often the thing that keeps us going in life, even in the difficult times. It's a powerful, motivating force. Martin Luther said, everything that is done in this world is done by hope. Marcus Tullius Cicero said, while there's life, there's hope. E.B. White said, hang on to your hat, hang on to your hope, and wind the clock for tomorrow is another day. Desmond Tutu said, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. And in Romans 5, it tells us that hope does not disappoint. And I think that's absolutely true when your hope is placed in the right place. And so I guess the most pivotal question this Resurrection Sunday is what do you put your hope in? Even as Christian people here today, what does your life reveal about where your hope is truly found? A lot of people put their hope 
in the things of this life that are always subject to change. They hope in relationships only for their husband or their wife to betray them and leave. They hope in reputation only to make a mistake or be slandered by others. They hope in their bank account, their money and their stuff only to go through a bad investment or a global financial crisis and lose the lot or even worse, get to the point where you have everything and realise it doesn't bring you happiness anyway. Others hope in their achievements only to fall short of what they're aiming for. Some hope in their sporting team and well, we all know how that works out. If your hope is in changeable things, your hope is never secure because it's always subject to change. Your life will be like a roller coaster. That when things are going well, it's kind of like you're at the top of the roller coaster and everything seems good and there's a good view up there and you look to the future and it, and it all seems bright. But when things start to go pear-shaped and you start to go downhill, the stress and anxiety kicks in and when you hit rock bottom, you forget who you are altogether. There's no hope. There's no identity. There's no security because your hope was dependent on things that can be here today but gone tomorrow. Paul says in verse 19 of today's passage that if our hope is only in this life, then we are to be pitied by others because that's no hope at all. Hope is a vital part of a healthy life and a strong faith. And for those who've received Christ, our hope is in the reality of the resurrection and it's a hope that's eternally secure. In the Bible, it's a hope that absolutely transformed the lives of those early disciples of Jesus from fearful men and women to world changers who lived for Jesus and died for their absolute faith in the resurrection because they saw it with their own eyes. They kept following Jesus no matter what. And the reality is for those disciples, following Jesus was a lot harder for them than it is for us, particularly in the Western world. We see persecution as someone being ridiculed on social media for their faith or losing a multi-million dollar contract in rugby or not being able to share your faith in a schoolyard or a workplace. And while those things are inconvenient, and in the case of Israel Falau, financially costly, they kind of pale into perspective when we stack it up to what the early disciples went through. These men and women were run out of town. They were thrown in prison. They were tortured, persecuted, even killed for their faith. There was absolutely zero social advantage to following Jesus. I mean, people hated him. And if you followed him, they hated you. And yet Christianity boomed in those circumstances, an explosive growth that expanded right throughout the entire earth and continues to right up until this very day, 2,000 years later. Why didn't those early disciples give up? Why would they believe in a person who was humiliated and crucified on a cross? Why did those disciples keep trusting and following Jesus even in the tough times? Well, I'll tell you why this morning. Resurrection is why. Resurrection brings hope like nothing else can. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. Therefore, he's worth living our lives for. And so how do we keep going in tough times? Well, it's exactly the same way, by putting our faith in Jesus and our hope in the resurrection. Jesus said to Thomas after his resurrection from the dead, after he had been doubting, he said, because you've seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. As Christians, we're reminded today that we don't serve a God who's a statue. We don't follow some weird spiritual feeling. 
We don't bow down to an idol or worship an aloof God. We don't revere some prophet who was here and is now gone. No, we have a saviour and a friend. We have an ever-present help in times of need. We have a Lord who is full of grace and truth. He promises that he is with us, that he is in us, that we can come boldly with confidence before his throne because Jesus is alive. We follow Jesus and today we declare afresh that he is the risen King. And that's glorious good news. King of kings, the Lord of lords. The resurrection brings hope in life like nothing else can. Why? Because this is the second point. Death has been defeated. John Stott says, we live and die, but Christ died and lived. Apostle Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, if there was no resurrection Sunday, then your faith is utterly useless and you're still in your sins. If that's the case, those who have fallen in sleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in their turn, Christ the first fruits. And then when he comes, those who belong to him. This is the hope that we have, that in and through Christ, death has been defeated. As part of my role, I have the task and the privilege of conducting funerals at the end of someone's earthly life. And I've noticed through all the funerals that I've done that there is a massive difference, a huge difference between the funeral of a person who had no faith in Jesus and the funeral of a person who has put their hope in Jesus. They're they're literally like chalk and cheese. At the funeral of a person without faith, it's a time of mourning and sadness. Obviously, it's a time to celebrate their achievements in this life, to look at photos and laugh and cry at some of the memories. It's a time to focus in on their strength of character and what we loved about them. It can be a great tribute to an earthly life well lived. But in the midst of all of that, there's actually no hope for the future. And the next day, or even the afternoon of the day, people just go back to getting on with their lives. And all that person's life that is left after all those years is simply memories of the past. At the funeral of a person of faith, there are obviously many similarities. It's also a time of mourning and sadness. It's obviously a time to celebrate their achievements in this life and once again to look at photos and laugh and cry at some of the memories. It's a time to focus on the strength of the character and what we loved about that person. It can be a great tribute to an earthly life well lived but there's a huge difference and the difference is that in the midst of all of that there is a great hope not just for what has happened but for the future because in Christ death has been defeated. We live in resurrection hope, believing that death does not have the final say because death has been defeated by Christ. He is the first fruits, Paul says. He's the first to rise from the dead, but when he returns, we too will rise with him, victorious over death itself, and that's amazing hope. And so for those in Christ, death is the doorway to even greater life in Christ. It's not the end. In fact, it's an upgrade. Who here likes an upgrade? You've been upgraded on a plane, you're in business, you're in you know, economy, poverty class, and then you get upgraded to first class or business class or something amazing, and you sit there, and I've never had it happen to me, but I've heard it's amazing. You can be in business class or first class, and they're, they're not comparable. 
And that's what we've got in Christ. We've got the hope of an incredible upgrade from economy class to first class. We graduate from the brokenness and the bustedness of this world straight into the presence of God. We graduate from pain and suffering, frustration and death to joy unceasing, peace everlasting, love ever failing and life unending in the presence of our risen King who defeated death and promises that through a relationship with him we will as well. That's why the Apostle Paul says that death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the what? He gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. On that first Good Friday, it seemed that victory had been snatched away by defeat. The darkness had overcome the light, but on the third day, when light streamed into that tomb, Jesus, the light of the world, rose from the dead. Defeat and death were swallowed up in victory once and for all. If you are in Christ, you have the promise from God that you can live a victorious life with hope in that same resurrection because death has been defeated. There is nothing that can bring any sort of hope for life after death other than someone who defeated death itself. That person is Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. There is nothing that can bring any sort of hope for life after death other than someone who defeated death itself. And today we remember that that person is Jesus Christ. So I wonder today, I've asked you the question, what is your hope in? I want to ask you today whether you have that hope. The hope of the resurrection that no matter how tough this life gets, you've got an eternal hope in him that can never be shaken. This morning I want to invite the musicians forward. But I want to just say, if you've never had that hope before, you can leave this place today living in the victory that Jesus promises by asking him into your life by faith, by accepting his sacrificial death for you on the cross, for your sins, and receiving him into your life as Lord. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And all you need to do for that to happen is to ask. This morning, my prayer is that nobody in this room will leave this Easter service today without that resurrection hope and that death-defeating victory in your life because it's Jesus and Jesus alone who brings that hope. And it's that hope that brings the biggest change of all in our lives. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today that we remember not only what happened on Good Friday, that you sacrificially gave your life for us, but we remember today on Resurrection Sunday that death could not hold you down. Today we celebrate that we serve not an aloof God, not a distant God. We celebrate and we serve a risen King. You are not a dead, you are alive. And we say thank you today for the victory that we can walk in because of that. Lord, we thank you that we don't have to walk with the crushing weight of sin and shame and brokenness. We don't have to be defeated by persecution or anything that comes our way, but we can live in the hope that you have given us, knowing that in you we will be raised to new life again. We thank you for this and we pray it in Jesus' name. Just while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, 
want to give opportunity this Resurrection Sunday for anybody here that's never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Maybe you don't have that hope. You don't know what's going to happen when you die. You don't know what's going to happen after this life. But you have no hope. You have no clarity. Today, I want to say there is a clear hope and it's found only in Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no one can come into relationship with God the Father except through Him. And so while every head is bowed, and while every eye is closed, this morning I want to give opportunity for anyone here in that situation to respond by faith. And I want to encourage you to do that by lifting your hand and saying, Luke, that's me. I don't have that hope, but I want that hope this morning. I want to leave this place knowing that my eternal destination is secure in Christ, that my sins are forgiven, and that I can walk in that victory that only Jesus brings. Is there anyone here this morning who wants to say, Luke, that's me. For the first time, I want to put my faith in Him. I trust everybody here already knows the Lord, but if you don't and you didn't want to lift up your hands today and you want to talk about it or pray through it, I'd love to pray with you at the end of the service. So please come forward and see me and um, I'd love to pray with you. Thanks for listening to our message this week. If it stirred your heart and you would like to talk to someone more about it or pray with someone, please get in touch with us at info at follow.church. And one of our pastoral team will get back to you as soon as possible. If you'd like more information about Follow and our various ministries, including weekly service times and location, please check out our website, www.follow.church. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.